Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, Joey Gallo suffered his first loss in his Dodger career, but it wasn't all bad because the Dodgers won the series and put some uh, big offensive numbers up on Friday and Saturday. We'll get into all that. We'll get into the Fernando Tati suspension, and we'll talk a little bit about Max Muncy, who's been hot. That's what's on tap, so make sure to keep it Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked on, your team every day. This is Locked on Dodgers, and you can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked on Dodgers and make it easy on on yourself and subscribe in all those places so you'll never miss a day because you know we're not going to because we're here to bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every Monday through Friday. Uh, This is your first time listening or watching. I'm Vince Amperio. This is my co-host, Jeff Snyder, and we both cover the Dodgers uh, currently and in the past. Uh, in a variety of ways and one of those ways is this podcast here we are both lifelong Dodger fans and we've been able to do this for a while now we we met a fan last week and realized that uh, it's been almost what six years since we started doing this so we've been around a while and uh, we talk a lot about the Dodgers which is a good thing because that's the best team in baseball right now and even though they lost on Sunday which is what we decided before in the past was the worst way to win a series was win the first two and lose the last one uh, but at the end of the day, the Dodgers did win a series. Their 12-game win streak was snapped, but uh, I don't think it's time to panic yet, Jeff. No, uh, not panicking yet. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that they will have at least uh, one two-game losing streak between now and the end of the season. Uh, hopefully not starting, you know, hopefully we didn't start that on Sunday. Uh, I'm not ready for two straight losses. But, uh, yeah, you got to lose a game once in a while to have those multiple streaks in one season. You know, it's one 40-game winning streak isn't as impressive as four 10-game winning streaks, in my opinion. One 40-game winning streak feels like a fluke. Four 10-game winning streaks feels like utter dominance, you know? Yeah, I feel that. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to talk about the weekend games. The game that they lost was Sunday, Brady Singer, who's uh, done pretty well against some good offenses in the last month or so, a young pitcher for the Royals. Shut the Dodgers down for six innings. They weren't able to get some runs on the board, so they lost. Not too much to take away from that game, but there was a lot more fun to be had on Friday and Saturday when the Dodgers put up eight and 13 runs respectively, hit a bunch of home runs on Saturday. And one of the main offensive forces this weekend was Max Muncy, who has now become almost this, almost an average major league hitter. He's very He's already there in WRC+. Plus. He's, uh, I think, just around there, almost there in OPS+. Plus. He raised his uh, actual OPS into the 700s now. So Max Muncy is looking like the Max Muncy of old, Jeff. Yeah, and uh, if I remember right, a couple uh, notorious podcasters, I think that was one of our midseason predictions that Max Muncy would be basically the Max Muncy of old in the second half and that while his end-of-season numbers might not look like anything special, uh, the second half he would be a big contributor. Uh, at this rate, his uh, full season numbers might end up looking special too, you know, because he's bad in the last 11 games, 395 batting average, 455 on base slug, on base percentage, 921 slugging percentage, 
five doubles, five homers, and five singles in those 11 games, uh, plus 13 RBIs. You know, he's getting the hits in big situations, uh, even though, you know, Sunday he did strike out in a big situation, which, again, strike one on him. Come on, umpires. I don't know why they do it to Max Muncy more than anybody else, but uh, just call the pitches in the zone strikes. Call the pitches outside the zone balls. That's all I ask. It's not that hard. Uh, going back to something you mentioned at the beginning, Vince, I just – pulled up our old podcast our first episode was april 26 2016 uh so yeah it's been well over six years that we've been podcasting together and uh, i actually noticed the title of our second episode was steroids losing streaks and favorite dodger moments so uh, uh in the in the category of everything old is new again we're talking about steroids and a one game losing streak in this episode too so you know we've been talking about these very things for six years yeah, uh, yeah. Time is a flat circle, as they say. Uh, but yeah, offensively, Dodgers hit six home runs on Saturday. Two of those were off a of position player, but they still count the same uh, in the box score. And for the guy's stats, Joey Gallo hit one of those. Cody Bellinger hit one of those. So that's always fun to see. Mookie Betts hit a leadoff home run. And it was one of those games that got out of hand early and stayed out of hand. And the Dodgers continued to pile on runs. I think they scored when the first five innings, they put up at least one run. And, you know, for when you play a team like the Royals and you're not facing their ace, uh, which apparently is Brady Singer now, who, who they face on Sunday, uh, this is what you're supposed to do to bad teams, especially when you're on a hot streak and you're rolling. And it was just fun to watch, uh, you know, that. And then on Friday, Tony Gonsolin walked back in, looked like Tony, not quite like the Tony Gonsolin, but he, numbers-wise, he looked like Tony Gonsolin from the first half of the season going into the seventh inning and, yeah, being able to pitch efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it really is what you – the first two games of the series were exactly what you hoped the Dodgers would do th- to the Royals. And, yeah, it, it does make Sunday a little bit more frustrating. But, you know, if you look at the series as a whole, 16 runs in, in three games is not much less impressive than 16 runs in two games. It's uh, And, yeah, I mean, it, it was really good to see. Even Tyler Anderson, who took the loss on Sunday, pitched well, you know, uh, just – he threw a quality start, just happened to pitch on a day that the Dodgers couldn't score. And Tyler Anderson has happened to pitch on plenty of days this year when the Dodgers scored a bunch. So, you know, it probably all evens out in the wash. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the offense was a lot of fun to watch on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and there were 21 runs, though, right? 13 and 8. 30, yeah, I don't know why I was thinking it was 8 in each <laughs> game. But, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's even more impressive. 21 runs in, in three games. That's seven runs a game. We'll take that average. Yeah, exactly. Um Yeah, uh, the only, I guess, one note from the weekend in terms of not as positive, uh, but seemed more precautionary. Andrew Heaney came out of the game after three innings on Saturday. The Dodgers were already up big. He took a comebacker off the arm, his left arm, unfortunately. He ended up finishing the inning and realistically probably would have kept pitching if the Dodgers were in a closer game or if the Dodgers weren't up by 16 games in the division, probably. Uh, so hopefully not too much to read into there. But he was looking good before that, and it's just you know another positive sign there for the Dodgers pitching staff, which has continued to look good even after Clayton Kershaw went down and you know even after everything else that's happened over the, over the course of the season, uh, the Dodgers pitchers keep on chugging along. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Eni didn't just stay in the game for the rest of that inning. He struck out the next two batters to, to finish off the inning. I think we could watch Andrew Heaney throw a 1,000 sliders to Salvador Perez, and Salvador Perez would swing and miss at a 1,000 of them, uh, maybe 1,100 out of a 1,000. 
it was like he, he couldn't touch that thing. Uh, yeah, I, I assume that's precautionary. I hope it's precautionary. It looked like it was more of a glancing blow off his arm, and then it maybe bounced off his his chest area. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he stayed in the game. He, he's probably fine. And it's one of the many things that it's nice to have the big lead in the division that the Dodgers have. And so it's like, okay, you know, and the big lead in that game. But even if it was a close game, you're like, okay, well, it's not worth risking Andrew Heaney's health. We're willing to punt this game if we need to. And that's what you can do when you are as far ahead in the division as the Dodgers are, when you're on pace for 113 and a quarter wins like the Dodgers are. Uh, it, it's, you know, the, the Dodgers really can. Even a really good example of that was on Sunday when the Dodgers continued to let the corpse of Tony Walters come up to the plate, even in big situations when they needed hits. It's like, no, Will Smith gets the day off today. And I, I was not surprised but still happy to see dave roberts stick to that and say you know what a desperate team would send will smith up to pinch it for tony walters the dodgers have no reason to be desperate or even anything re remotely resembling desperate they hey will smith you got the day off today i don't care what happens even if we get shut out by the royals and and that's what happens so uh it, it's i guess that's one good thing that came from sunday is it was another reminder that the dodgers are in good shape yeah, uh, one quick note on Tony Walters. He was here because Austin Barnes was placed on the family emergency list. Robert said that uh, Austin has some personal things going on right now, so our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family right now. So hopefully nothing too bad. But, uh, yeah, Tony Walters is here at least. Well, he's already done the three days, maybe more, but we'll see what happens there. We're going to talk about the Brooklyn jerseys that the Dodgers wore on Saturday. There was some mixed opinions, and some of those opinions that I agreed with uh, – Weren't supposed to be those opinions if things would have went the right way. But first, let's talk about LinkedIn. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Jeff. So the Dodgers and the Royals both wore 1955 or yeah, both wore throwbacks, 1955 throwbacks. Uh, the Royals were the Monarchs and the Dodgers were the Brooklyn Dodgers. And it was funny to me when the Dodgers posted saying, you know, Brooklyn Dodgers, whatever they posted on social media. And it looked like the exact same jersey they have just with a different style number on the back and no last names. And then the Brooklyn hat. And I saw a lot of people. Well, you, if you click into that and you were reading the replies and the quote tweets, a lot of people were saying, you know, fire emojis and everything else and positive. And then there's a lot of people saying, oh, that's it. And things of that nature. Uh, I was more in the that's it and things of that nature on my side, just because uh, they didn't look like they changed much. Even the Dodgers script, which was the main change from the other jerseys, uh, seemed to look the same. It might have looked a little thinner, but nothing that was you would have to know to know that they were a little bit different. Uh, it worked out for the Dodgers because they put that's when they put up 13 runs. But yeah, Jeff, what were you thinking about that? And then we'll talk a little bit about how they were supposed to look. 
You're on mute. Sorry, my mute button. I was definitely with you and others on that. Like, wow, they, they didn't put much effort into that. And because I'm me and my instinct is always to give people the benefit of the doubt, I thought, I wonder why they didn't. And uh, it wasn't until you and I were talking right before we hit record that I found out the reason why. And it turns out, like in most cases, anytime you think, man, the answer is so obvious. Why didn't they do it this other way? Well, there's a good reason for it, or at least a, a, a reason that's not the Dodgers' fault. Maybe it's not a good reason, but it's not the Dodgers' fault, apparently. Yeah, one of the Dodgers designers on his Instagram story posted what the Dodgers were supposed, the jersey were supposed to look like, and they had the blue piping like the old Dodgers jersey had. It had the old Dodgers script. It had the old, historic, you know, the numbers, and would have looked a lot cooler next to those KC Monarchs jerseys. But he said that, uh, you know, he was – Seemed upset. He said, this is what the jerseys were supposed to look like. And he said, I don't know why I do the the research and historical accuracy if the suppliers aren't going to do what we sent them or basically something like that. And, yeah, I mean, it makes sense now, I guess. I don't know if the supplier – yeah, there's the post. I don't know if the supplier was Nike. I don't know if they get – you know, if the supplier is someone else that makes the actual jerseys. But these jerseys would have looked really slick. Uh, the ones that they had, like I said, it was mainly just the change of the Brooklyn hat. There wasn't too much change in the actual jersey. Yeah, if you are listening right now and not watching on YouTube, uh, maybe we can get a chance to just pull up the YouTube, you know, around the 13 and a half minute mark. We have the, uh, the, the post, the Instagram post, which includes the image of what it was supposed to look like. And yeah, it looks like the 1955 Dodgers uniforms, like what we would have expected in this situation. And it's really, really a bummer that this didn't show up on the field, especially, you know, Bob Kendrick, uh, the head of the Negro Leagues Museum, was in in the booth with Tim and Nomar and talking about how all these uniforms are being donated. Uh, you know, they're going to be autographed and then auctioned off and all of the proceeds going to the Negro Leagues Museum, which is one of my favorite places in the world. It is such a cool place. Like Kansas City, it, it's not the kind of place that you think, I can't wait to go back there again. I cannot wait to go back to Kansas City, at least in part because of the Negro Leagues Museum. It's so awesome. And, you know, e even the uniforms they, they did wear, it's going to, you know, if you can get a Mookie Betts jersey, you know, that with even without the name on the back, so you can tell it's something special and it's autographed by Mookie, that's going to fetch a lot of money, but not as much as, as this would have. And so it is, it's frustrating. This didn't work out. And I feel terrible for, for this designer who, put in all the work and then, and then they didn't, they didn't do it right. It's a, it, it's a really, you know, it almost makes it worse to see what this should have been because it's like, man, what a missed opportunity to have such a cool thing. And uh, you know, I assume that the pants, I don't know if the 55 pants had piping too on the side or anything, but uh, yeah, I mean the, the Royals uniforms looked awesome. The old Kansas city monarchs and Dodgers didn't look bad. They just didn't look, like 1955 and and they really really could have yeah uh but yeah uh second on the the negro leagues uh museum i went there this past year when i went to kc yeah i'd say go back for the barbecue in the museum coffee stadium not so much but uh yeah that's what we got there we're going to talk about tatis in the next segment so we're going to clean up the rest of the dodger news here uh blake trinan through went on a rehab assignment through an inning was clocked around where he's at, 98, I think he topped out at, had that nasty breaking 
pitch going. And, yeah, he looked good. Dustin May went through his final rehab start on Sunday through an immaculate inning, looked good as well. He should be back uh, this coming Saturday back at home at Dodger Stadium for the Dodgers. And then other than that, we didn't get too much else that I remember from, from updates. But either way, that's Dustin May coming back this week. And that's Blake trying in probably two weeks at least from coming back, which is just going to add two nasty arms back to the Dodgers pitching staff. Yeah, Bruce Dargratter all started his rehab assignment the same day as trying in. He walked his first batter and then and then got out of it. Uh, I don't know if he pitched again on Sunday or not. I'm not sure what his thing is. They're expecting Gratter all back the end of this month ish and trying in the beginning of September. So Gratterall's maybe a week ahead, just probably just because Gratterall's been out a month and trying has been out four months. And so he needs a little bit more time to get built back up, even to go, you know, one inning consistently on back-to-back days or whatever. Uh, but yeah, you know, those reinforcements, especially seeing Craig Kimbrell being uh, Kimbrellish a little bit again this weekend, it's uh, you know, it'll be nice to have Gratterall and Trinan back. I, I, somebody was asking me about Kimbrell uh, today about how I, I keep saying he's got good stuff. So I still think he's going to turn it around. And I admitted on Twitter, the further we get into the season, the less confident I am that he will. I, I still think his stuff is really good. It's a command issue, but it's also been four months and the command hasn't been consistently. He's had good outings here and there, but I mean, his, his command isn't what it is. And, uh, and, and, you know, having Blake Trinan who actually has closer experience uh, personally, if 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 Kimbrell doesn't figure it out enough to be the closer in the postseason, I hope they don't use a closer in the postseason. I hope they just say we've got a bunch of good relievers and we're going to deploy them as we see fit. Uh, but you know, it, it'll be nice to get those reinforcements back because you know for a lot of reasons. But Kimbrell is one of those reasons. Yeah, the, one of the guys that's also been on rehab assignment is Edwin Rios. I guess real quick we have to talk about. You know, looking at the Dodgers roster, there's not a for sure person that you say you send down for Edwin Rios right now. So what do we think the Dodgers are going to do with Edwin Rios? Yeah, I can't remember if I talked about this in my solo episode on Friday or not, but uh, I I know I've talked with friends about it anyway. I think Rios, when his rehab assignment's up, is he's going to stay in Oklahoma City, just be optioned there. He has options remaining, and, you know, I – he needs to be hitting every day. And we talked even earlier this year before he got hurt about how they might need to option him just to get him at bats. And, and I think there was more of a path to at bats on the big league team then than there is now. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I imagine he'll keep playing every day in triple a and, and they'll keep giving Joey Gallo a chance to see if, if he can really figure it out, you know, Gallo hit another home run this weekend, but it doesn't count because it was off a position player. Obviously it counts in the, in the, stats but it doesn't count as far as determining whether the Dodgers have fixed Joey Gallo the one on Wednesday definitely counts but the one over the weekend doesn't it was like I actually said out loud when he came up I said okay it's a position player and uh Joey Gallo does three things he walks he strikes out and he hits home runs so he's not going to strike out so he's either going to walk or he's going to hit a home run and uh and he did uh and yeah so but Joey Gallo needs more time to really see if he is something that the Dodgers can use in October. And if he's not, Edwin Rios having gotten at bats every day, playing regularly in AAA will be the best thing for the Dodgers in October, having him, you know, ready to go. Yeah, it sucks a little bit for Rios, but that's just the nature of the game and, you know, how things go. Hopefully, you know, won't make his way back on 
because somebody else gets hurt, but you know, that always remains to be seen with the Dodgers. So we'll see how that goes. And yeah, that's it. Dodgers getting some guys back on the pitching staff. Edwin Rios might be uh, staying in OKC. So that's what we got there. Next segment is about Fernando Tatis and his injury and just, you know, the, in the grand scheme of things, how, you know, for the Dodgers, for Major League Baseball, for the Padres, for everything else, how that all works out. But first, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to bet online today on your laptop or mobile device to learn more about the action that's going on. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Jeff. Um, yeah, I think I said Tachis's injury, but Tachis's suspension is what we're actually talking about. Uh, the injury was all but over for him, and he's still not going to be able to play because on Friday we found out that he violated Major League Baseball's PED policy. He's been suspended for 80 games. That's the rest of this season, however many games the Padres play in the postseason. Uh, and then they would, you know, whatever that is uh, subtracted from 80 is how much he's going to miss next season. You know, for the Dodgers, this is doesn't mean too much for the regular season. Uh, might shift a little bit things in the postseason if the Padres make it, just because obviously they won't have to face Tatis if they do play the Dodgers in October. Uh, but just for, you know, the Padres, for the grand scheme of things in baseball, and just, you know, shock. You you don't expect to see one of the stars in baseball get popped for this. He said that it was a result from something he took uh, to treat ringworm. And from all the research everyone did over the weekend and from all the Twitter dermatologists and everybody else, uh, it's it appears that him or his camp uh, mixed up the two the substances of the clobidol, clobosol, and clobidosol, which is funny because when someone I was talking to searched uh, the one that he got popped for, autocorrect changed it to clobidosol. So when he sent it, I was like, that's not what he got popped for. So maybe that's, uh, I, maybe someone with the iPhone also did that. That was in Tatis's camp, and that's what happened. Uh, but either way, his teammates, you know, had some strong words for him. And AJ Preller had some strong words for him. And yeah, Jeff, I mean, I don't know, you know, where to start with this, but it was definitely, uh, you know, there was no way to do a Friday news dump, as they say. And this was on Friday, but it definitely wasn't a news dump because it was the biggest story of the weekend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one point of clarification, postseason games do not count towards the suspension. Uh, so we know he will miss the first 32 games of next season as part of the suspension. Uh, he He's anytime you get suspended for PEDs, you're ineligible for the postseason that year. Uh, so even if this had happened earlier in the year and he returned before the end of the season, he would still be ineligible for the postseason. Uh, so that's why the postseason got mentioned in the announcement. Uh, but yeah, so he'll miss the last 42 games of this season and then the first or 48 games of this season and the first 32 of next season. Uh, yeah, as for the, the ringworm excuse, uh, the first thing we saw was just a screenshot of somebody with a username on Reddit who said they were a hospital pharmacist. And, you know, it's always good to do your due diligence. Um, but he said, I am a hospital pharmacist. 
You're not going to believe this, but he's full of hmm. what might be in ringworm treatment is clobetasol, a corticosteroid like hydrocortisone. Close to ball is an anabolic steroid that would never be put in a topical tre treatment for ringworm. They aren't the same, and a drug test would not confuse it to you. Uh, I, I didn't just want to take anonymous Reddit users word for it. So I uh, sent that to a really good friend of mine who is a, a really good doctor, um, and, uh, kind of actually world renowned in some things. And, uh, I, I said, does this sound accurate to you? And he said, correct. Though I would compare clobetasol to hydrocortisone. Hydrocortisone is a low potency topical steroid and clobetasol is a high potency topical steroid. Clostabol is a totally different and unrelated compound to clobetasol that unfortunately has a name that looks like clobetasol. Clostabol is an anabolic steroid. Uh, so, yeah, my my instinct when, when Tatis put out his, his excuse, I'm like, I guess maybe that's possible. But it's like, I never know what to believe with these guys because... Nobody has ever admitted, yes, actually, that's not true. Uh, who was it? Uh, Andy Pettit, I think, admitted to taking steroids when he was injured. Um, other than that, it's always, oh, yeah, it was it was an accident. It was in something, you know, and even when they take responsibility, quote, unquote, it's in the form of, I should have been more diligent about what I put in my body. Yeah, you shouldn't have put that needle of steroids in your body, dummy, you know, and so... I, I'm basically inclined to think they're all liars and uh, they're, you know, yeah, it, it sucks. It really sucks that this happened with Tatis. I, I, I've seen a lot of gleeful Dodger fans, Dodger fans, uh, and I don't blame them. I don't begrudge them. For me, I was bummed. Like it, it actually made me sad. Not as sad as it would have if it had been a Dodger, but it made me sad. And, uh, you know, and maybe it's just because that means the Padres defense is going to continue to be better because they won't have Tatis back. So, but, you know, I don't know, just to see this guy with all the talent in the world continue to shoot himself in the foot over and over again. Uh, and, and it's, yeah, it's frustrating and sad as a baseball fan. Uh, I actually felt bad for Javi. Like, this is what you've brought me to, Fernando Tatis. You have me feeling bad for Javi Reyes of Lockdown Padres, of all people. So it it really does suck, and his his excuse is uh, what Vin Scully would have called fertilizer, um, what my grandpa would call hogwash, you know. And he's a cheater, unfortunately. And, and hopefully, I, one thing I will believe is that I can believe that this was kind of the Andy Pettit thing. And I think Mark McGuire admitted to at one point, eventually to using steroids to try to get back on the field when he was injured. I can believe that that's why this happened right now, because Tatis was wanting to get back on the field. You know, doesn't change the fact that he knew it was against the rules and he did anyway. And so it doesn't make it any less frustrating, but it, I'm not inclined. I, I don't think it throws everything he's done so far into question. And, and I don't think it raises quite well is he really a good player when he does come back? You know, I think the, you know, recovering from the shoulder injury and now the wrist injury, th there may be repercussions coming back, but I don't think he is a product of steroids, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't follow or I didn't follow it all weekend, but the initial report was that the test was from March. Um, 
So, which means he was already injured at that time. And, you know, so that lead people to say like, you know, he was doing it at that time either to recover faster or to try and cover up the injury. Like if he could recover before anyone found out that he had broke his wrist uh, riding motorcycles. Uh, so in order for the project not to find out, he left the, he was in a rehab assignment and he left to fly to San Diego after, and I guess didn't tell anyone. These are all reports, but AJ Peller kind of said, yeah, that's what happened. And I guess they called him like the, uh, whoever he was playing with, they were like, hey, where's Tatis? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And then they found out he was on a commercial flight to San Diego for whatever reason. And, yeah, it just seems like, you know, he's a kid. Whether he's getting bad advice, whether he's doing it on his own, whether it's just reckless, whether, he, you know, he thought, you know, they're not going to suspend me. I'm, the face, you know, one of the faces of the game. I don't know what it was. Uh, we we might not ever know that. But it was good to see, you know, he had Clevenger and, and – uh, Joe Musgrove kind of saying the same thing of, you know, we, how you're not really showing your commitment to us here or, you know, you already made some mistakes and, and you kind of keep doing it again. You know, Machado and Juan Soto were a little less kind of just saying, you know, it sucks. Uh, Juan Soto said it is what it is. And AJ Preller was now talking about, you know, the trust isn't there. Now they're going to have to go back and look into his wrist and, and stuff and see what happens. So, Whatever he was thinking, I don't think he thought all this was going to happen. Now it's a bigger mess than what it is. And, yeah, as a baseball fan, it sucks. Uh, as a fan of, you know, memes and Twitter and everything that goes on when stuff like this happens, it was a good time for a few hours on Twitter just, you know, laughing at everything that was out there. As a Dodger fan, you know, you like the the competition, but when Padre fans – are just so out there and they were humbled and then they got cocky again after the Soto trade and it was way for Tatis and everything else. And then they got humbled again. And yeah, for all that, it's uh, you know, it was a little bit interesting and a little bit funny, but when it comes to baseball, especially as someone whose job is to cover MLB as a whole and baseball as a whole, uh, it definitely sucks to see him not being able to play this year and into next year. But hopefully this is something that'll kick him into, you know, kick him into shape, whip him into shape, as they say, and he can, you know, have that career and be the face of baseball or at least work his way toward that again. I don't know how long it would be till they start embracing him or at least, you know, MLB as a whole embraces him. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, it was just a, a wild story that I never would have thought we would have seen, especially from a guy like him. Yeah, absolutely. And Preller's comments were interesting. It kind of felt like laying the groundwork for considering looking into trying to uh, – nullify his contract you know uh and i don't know if they'd really take that step i don't know if they'd be successful but uh yeah it seemed like it. and when mike clevenger is calling you out like that i mean, mike clevenger is on the padres because he lost his cleveland teammates by acting like an idiot during covid you know I mean, that's why clevenger's on the padres uh and when even he thinks you were a bonehead yeah you know, it's funny to even ask soto soto's answer should have been I've never been teammates with a guy. I don't know. I think I've met him once. Like, it's funny they asked his opinion. But, yeah, it's uh, the Padres' response was interesting. And a uh, little sneak peek, if you if you do want to listen to Javi Unlocked on Padres talking about it, I actually uh, peeked in and watched him recording tonight. And uh, he was talking about how uh, if he was the Padres, he might consider at least ta- answering a call if somebody was looking to trade for Tatis. Uh, which is a big change from from last year for sure. And, uh, 
yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody's actually going to be anxious to trade for a guy with 12 years left on his contract or whatever. And, uh, history of PED suspensions and multiple injuries and immaturity and stuff. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy, uh, how much the perception of Tatis has changed in the last year and how much of that happened in the last three days. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's enough about Tatis. I doubt we're going to talk about him the rest of the year, unless he has a press conference or something and, uh, hears up his story or does something like that. So, that's all for today, Jeff. Unless you have anything else you want to add? Uh, no, no. It's nice to be back in my office with my bobbleheads behind me and my camera working and my microphone working. So uh, uh, nice talking to you guys. Yeah. Uh, one thing real quick. So Dodgers play the Brewers. The Brewers are currently chasing the Padres for the third wild card spot and still close enough with the Cardinals for the division. Uh, you know, Dodgers would never lose on purpose. And uh, someone asked me, like, oh, like, would you rather the Dodgers just lose these next, you know, three or four games or whatever it is? And I was like, no, but it's also a matter of the Dodgers could put in their backups and other than maybe Tony Walters and still win at least two of the next four games against the Brewers. So uh, just, you know, I'm sure we might see some thoughts like this in the next few days of, oh, man, they should just, you know. I only care about the Dodgers. I just want the Dodgers to win all the time. Yeah. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Check out Locked On MLB with our pal Sully uh, as he covers the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text, you can do so at 323-863-LOCK. That's 5625. Or you can send us an email, lockdowndodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car or if you're at home, touch Smart Device Play podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.